You know the vibes. You're listening to the Hoop Genius Podcast presented by NBA 2K22. And on today's episode, I've got a special guest in. I want to take you guys with me inside a conversation I had with NBA champion, Mr. Rip Hamilton, just last week. He came down to the NBA store in London. We had the chance to chop it up. I've actually done a few shows with Rip, if you guys didn't know in the past. I did one show where I taught him how to play NBA 2K for the first time, and it's pretty funny. We were reminiscing before this interview about how I put him onto 2K, and then throughout the pandemic, when he was in lockdown, he ended up playing 2K the whole time, and now he's always playing his My Player online. So that was just a funny one for me, but we spoke about a bunch of things we spoke about Kate Cunningham in Detroit. We spoke about his predictions for the playoffs. We spoke about his career winning championships in Detroit with the Pistons. So check this one out. Let me know what you think. And stick around because we've got some bonus content at the end for the real ones who listen to the whole show. And while you're listening to this, feel free to leave a review. Leave us a rating. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. I feel like an Uber driver every time I say that. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this is my conversation with Rip Hamilton. Okay, 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 I know I lied, but give me one second. Before we get into the interview, I've got to tell you about one thing. If you love the NBA, make sure you're watching the NBA on Sky Sports. Every Tuesday, you can see my other show, Heat Check, where BJ and I debate other topics that the Sky Sports team set for us. And then on Sundays, you can catch us in the studio breaking down the games. So go to the NBA Sky Sports for all of your playoff coverage and the NBA Finals. You might see me out in the finals covering those games for you. Sky Sports NBA, the place you need to be for the NBA postseason. Let's get into the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are joined by a legend of this league, an NBA champion, the one and only Mr. Rip Hamilton. Rip, how you doing? Welcome to London, my man. Oh, happy to come back. You're going to leave me hanging right here? Yes. Oh, no, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I don't know. If, I thought that was just an expression oh, no, no, right no. there. Okay. It's all good. It's, all, it's early in the morning, man. Thanks for coming down. We're going to chop it up a little bit about your career, a little bit about this season, but as a Detroit Pistons legend, there's only one place we can start this season, and that's with rookie, rookie of the year candidate, Mr. Kay Cunningham. What have you seen in his game so far this season that's really stood out to you? Well, he's definitely evolved as a player. I mean, uh, when you looked at him early in the season, uh, number one pick, uh, a lot of expectations for him. Uh, he was injured, right? And I, and I tell people that when you're coming in as a rookie, the hardest position to learn is the point guard position because, you know, when I came in, I was more of a scorer, and that's all I had to do was score. But when you're the point guard, especially for him, you got to initiate the offense. You got to set guys up. You got to score. You got to rebound. You got to do everything because the expectation is you're going to be the savior of the city. And I felt as though with him being injury, being injured early in the season, he started out slow. But as the season progressed, he started playing better and better, especially the last couple months of the season. He's definitely looking like the rookie of the year. Okay, that's tough because there's a lot of good contenders. Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, there's a lot of talent. Mm -hmm coming into the league right now. This season, though, we've seen the talent at an all-time high, I think, in terms of the scoring race, the MVP leaders. I need to get, before we get into the interview properly, I need to get your predictions <laughs> right now for the MVP, because that's what everyone's talking about. Well, it's a lot, man. I mean, for, uh, you know, early in the season, I thought it was KD. Mm -hmm. Like, Kevin, Kevin Durant, before he got injured, he was playing, I mean, at an all-time high. I mean, incredible how he was carrying that team with all the distractions that was going on with the team. Uh, but right now, man, I, I, it's hard not to pick Joel Embiid for, for just the way he's been playing all season long. He was runner-up last year. This year he's really took the team and put, him, put the team on his back, especially not having Ben, ben Simmons uh, early, early in the season. Uh, but it's a, it's a dogfight between him and John Morant. Like, Ja is the sleeper, man. I mean, like, 
He's a crossover of Allen Iverson with a mixture of Steve Francis. Uh, that That is probably my pick right now because what he's able to do with that team uh, from his leadership, his energy, his swag. Uh, he got them guys really, got them guys balling right now. Man, he's must-see TV. That's what <laughs> yeah. we call him. Like, yeah. we'd be up here in London 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning watching these Memphis games. It's really great to see. What's your takes on Jokic and Giannis, though, coming from a European aspect into that MVP conversation? Well, I think Joker's very uh, underrated. I mean, he doesn't get enough credit for what he does on a basketball court. And maybe it's because he's playing in Denver. Uh, but when you look at his stats, they're very comparable to uh, last year. So uh, he's a guy that I feel as though that doesn't get uh, the credit that he deserves. I mean, he does it all. People always, when you, when, when, when you watch him, he doesn't really pass the eye test, right, when it comes to guys in the lead. He's not as athletic as a Vince Carter. He's not, <laughs> he's not uh, you know, as flamboyant as a John Morant. He just gets it done every, every night. Uh, Giannis, I mean, I call him Mr. Go-Go Gadget. I mean, he got Go-Go Gadget arms, legs, everything else, and he, 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 tends to, he tends to surprise you each and every day with just his development. Uh, him, I, I, I feel like he's a guy that you can say he's the MVP every year because his approach. He doesn't take no plays off. He doesn't take any games off. And if, you, if you're watching play each and every day, guys on his team knows where he's at on the floor, and they tend to play better with him on the floor also. You know, last season, he ended it with a 50-piece in the NBA Finals, Finals MVP. Do you think the Bucs and Giannis can get back there this season? Who's your pick to come out of the Eastern Conference? Oh, I mean, for, at first, I, I, I had the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets. I think we all did. We all did. <laughs> and with the news today that Ben Simmons will be out for the rest of the season, uh, that right there makes me question if they can come out the East. Uh, but if you can't, you can't. Like you said, the, the Bucks, man, people forget. Sometimes when you when you win a championship, it's hard. I mean, I know from my experience in Detroit winning a championship, coming out the next season, the regular season is tough, right? Because you know that you're not going to be judged on what you do in a regular season. You're only going to be judged on uh, how you perform and how you play in the playoffs and if you come back with that gold ball. So Milwaukee is another team that I think that they're starting to hit at all cylinders. They got all the pieces intact. Chemistry is right. Coaching is right. So they're a team that's underappreciated too, a little bit, because we see all the glitz and glamour in Brooklyn. We see what happened in, in Philly with James Harden going to to uh, the Sixers. But I, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put anything past the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, you just touched on it right there. But after you guys won your championship in '04, the following regular season, did you find it hard to have that same motivation for the regular season games, knowing? You can just flip the switch when it comes to the playoffs and turn up the heat. Yes, it was hard. It was tough because you, right, you, you got to figure out different ways to motivate yourself each and every night, right? Uh, knowing that, A, the, the, the previous year you went out and won a world championship. You've seen how great the, 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 that, that felt, how the fans uh, reacted towards you. And everybody was looking and everybody was talking back to back, back to back, back to back. They weren't talking about who, who's going to have the best regular season record. We were a team that didn't care about home court advantage, right? And, 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 and people look at LeBron James in today's game, and, and I always say, watch him. LeBron doesn't really care about home court advantage. When the playoffs start, he takes his game to another level. And that's how we were because we knew that we weren't going to be judged on the regular season games, that we knew that we had to be healthy, uh, we got to be a little bit lucky, and we got to be playing uh, great basketball at, at, at the right time. So we just feel as though instead of just burning ourselves out during the regular season and trying to win – you know, because one, one season we could have won 70 games, but we told the coach, hey, man, look, we, we're not here to win 70-something 70, 70 games and try to break the Bulls' record. We're here actually to try to win a world championship. 
Now, talking about the other conference now, the Phoenix Suns have done quite the opposite. They've blown through the Western Conference in the regular season this year. How much do you think they're motivated by being so close last season to winning the championship and then coming back this season? Very motivated. I mean, how you look at their leader, uh, Chris Paul. I mean, this guy right here, man, he plays hard each and every night. Uh, and he's not going to let them take their foot off the gas, right? Uh, probably the best leader in basketball right now, him, him and LeBron James. Uh, this is a team that doesn't get a lot of credit out there, too. I always ask the question. They got the best record in the league. They've been playing the best basketball in the league. But why aren't we talking about Devin Booker in the MVP race, right? He's been playing incredible basketball right now. So I think this is a team that really is unguardable because they got five guys that can play without the ball. They play on the perimeter. They got uh, Aiton in the middle that can kind of uh, uh, be that, that defensive anchor uh, for the ball club. But I think this is a team to be reckoned in the playoffs also. Now, when you guys won your championship, you did it by every member of the squad buying in. You did it on the defensive end. And this is one thing with the Phoenix Suns, a lot of people are saying the reason they don't have them as favorites is because they don't have a guy like a LeBron, a Kawhi Leonard, a Giannis, a Kobe, you know, those all NBA, all superstar kind of guys. They kind of play as a squad. And you're right, Devin Booker could be up there in the MVP mm -hmm. conversation, but he hasn't been. They just play as a great unit, you know, all together. Do you think they have enough to win the championship? And who is your pick to win the NBA title this year? I do think they have enough. Uh, I had numerous conversations with Devin. Uh, Devin's a guy from Michigan, right? So we talk about, you know, what they're doing now and, and how he feels, though, that team kind of emulates what we did in Detroit, right? And he, was, he, he always say that, hey, man, when, when, when I come in the locker room or we have, when somebody has a good game, nobody cares who scores 30 on this team, right? And, and that's what the attitude that you got to have. It's not about me. It's about the team, right? Uh, and that's the most difficult team to guard, right? I know when we played against the Lakers in the NBA Finals, we knew that we had to stop Shaq and Kobe, right? <laughs> like, we didn't, we, 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 I ain't going to say we wasn't worried about everybody else, but they were the two catalysts yeah. of their offense. Uh, but when you, when you watch the Phoenix Suns, anybody can get you 30. Anybody can score 25. Anybody can be the focal point of the offense. But I still believe that they do have superstar players. I think Chris Paul is a superstar. I think Devin Booker is a superstar. This guy scored, what, 65 or 70 points? 70 points. <laughs> 70 points in, in one game. I mean, how many guys in the league have, has done that. So I just think that they understand that, hey, you know what, in order for us to win a championship, it's not about me, it's about us. And they're playing, they're playing as us right now. One thing I think that's taken the Phoenix Suns to the next level is when they brought in Ricky Rubio and now Chris Paul, mm -hmm. which allowed Devin Booker to play off the ball a little bit. So now you see him curling off screens, a little bit of the playing off the catch kind of actions. What advice have you given to Devin Booker? Because you were one of the best of all time at moving without the ball and playing off the catch. Uh, the, the one thing I told him last year in the playoffs, I said, hey, you know what, you're, you're, you're in a scouting report now, right? <laughs> so coming into the playoffs, everybody's going to know where Devin Booker's at, right? Anytime you come off a curl or pin down or come off a pick and roll action, they're going to trap you, they're going to blitz you, they're going to recognize that you are the scorer on their ball club. And the one thing I said for him to start doing is what I took a note out of Reggie Miller's game was start setting the screen. The screener is usually the guy that's always open. Don't look for guys to set a screen for you to get open. When you set a screen, your man got to react, and the guy that's guarding the other guy got to react too because when you set a screen, now he got to help out and try to try to help uh, the guy that you screen. Now you come off a pin down. Now you'll be wide open. So just little detail stuff like that that makes a huge difference, especially in playoff games. Now, one thing I've heard you speak about before is when you were in Washington playing with Michael Jordan, 
you used to love using Michael as the screener because <laughs> you knew both defenders are going to stick with Michael. How long until we start seeing Devin Booker getting all the attention from the defence and how much is that helping guys like Bridges and Crowder get their looks from downtown? Well, it's a little wrinkle uh, that you add to your game. Uh, I, I tell people all the time, when you're playing a game of basketball, you're, you're not just playing a game. You're playing a game inside the game. And a lot of people don't understand that. And that's, that's the mental edge that you got to have, especially at the NBA level, because everybody's great. Everybody's fast. Everybody's quick. Everybody has a high basketball IQ. So you got to figure out different ways to manipulate the, the, the offense and the defense. So uh, with him, he, he does a great job already of scoring, you know, from the three. He can get to his mid-range shot. He can get all the way to the basket. Now it's figuring out how to use my teammates now to get wide open looks. Now, before we go back and talk about some of your career, I've got one last question about this season. What's been the biggest surprise for you this NBA season? Mm, the biggest surprise for me this NBA season, uh, I just, I think that, you know, all, all, all the drama, really, right? <laughs> like, you know, uh, one, you know, I never expect that James Harden would want to trade, right? In, in, in the middle of the season, knowing that last year they only played, what, 13 or 15 games together with with KD and Kyrie Irving like I, I wouldn't expect that to happen so early right because knowing that they have they 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 wasn't healthy uh, all season long and they didn't have everything intact especially going to to the playoffs and saying all right you know what we're healthy we got all our guys you know ready to play and let's see what how the chips chips unfold that never happened Right. It, all this drama happened during the regular season and never gave them an opportunity to go out and win, win a championship. So I think that was the biggest surprise for me. Uh, the unknown uh, waiting, just seeing these guys in a playoff situation, three of the most unguardable guys in our game today and just seeing how seeing how they play together. Now, let's talk about your career a little bit. If we go all the way back to your early days in the league. We just mentioned Michael Jordan and your time in Washington. Mm -hmm. What was the biggest thing you learned from playing with MJ when you were a member of the Wizards? The mid-range game. The, the mid-range game. I mean, like, as a kid, I, I envied uh, Michael Jordan. Like, he, he was my idol growing up. I couldn't jump as high as him, but it was little detail <laughs> stuff I could try to figure out to kind of take, take off his game. And just getting the opportunity to, to compete with him in practice. I mean, I was a two guard. He was a two guard. Now it's like, hey, uh, I'm, I, I got the master chef right here in front of me so I can sit there and ask and questions, uh, talk to him, watch him uh, all the time. And I, I always tell the story being in practice with him and him being able to guard him and him taking two dribbles and pulling up in my face. And he's like, yo, rip, put that in your game. Learn that, perfect that. That's the hardest play in basketball to guard. And for a guy like Michael Jordan to be able to tell me, because I'm like the apprentice at the time, uh, to give me that type of information and me to actually work on it each and every day in practice, and, he, and he's able to come to me and say, oh, that's, that's not a good shot. Oh, the first dribble's not hard enough. Or, or the second, you got to push the second dribble out a little further. That little detail stuff you just can't get unless you get an opportunity to play with the greatest player of all time. Do you think that mid-range shot is a lost art? Because outside of guys like Booker, CP, and DeRozan, we don't see it too much now in the modern mm -hmm. NBA. Why do you think players are taking less and less of that? And do you think it will make a return given how well the Phoenix Suns have played this season? Oh, man. Uh, one, uh, it's not as sexy as the three-point <laughs> shot, right? I, I always say, say when you come watch guys shoot threes from, you see Steph Curry, two feet, three feet behind the three-point line, 
that's that's super sexy. It's like a Ferrari or a Lamborghini out there. Or if you see a guy get out there and do a windmill dunk, okay, that's a Bentley or whatever. You know, the mid-range is like a Cadillac. You know, it's <laughs> it's classic, it's old school, it's nice, it gets the job done. You can put thousands and hundreds of thousands of miles on it and it'll never break. Uh, I just think that it's, 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 it's unguardable. I mean, you can play that way until you're in your, in your mid-30s. You see DeMar DeRozan, he's killing right now, right? Because guys don't know how to guard it. They're, they, 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 they don't want to do it, right? Uh, Chris Paul still playing at a high level. Devin Booker, like you said, uh, still playing at a high level. I think it's a shot that's unguardable. I think most kids, when you go back, uh, uh, man, 50, 50 years ago, guys was knocking down that shot. So I just think that that's something that every kid should uh, try to perfect, put in their game, because you'll have a longer career when focused on that uh, and not trying to focus on what, let's say, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and them guys are doing. And Steph even said to himself, he was like, hey, you know what, when, when y'all see me shoot these shots, like, hey, like, I know I kind of like, you know, y'all think I shoot these shots all the time, but I always say, hey, I tell my kids and I tell kids out there, watch guys warm up before the game. They don't start from shooting three-point shots. They start from 10, 15 foot in, and then they move out. So don't get caught up on all the sexy shots. Now, you took all of that knowledge from Michael Jordan, mastering that mid-range art in Washington, traded over to the Detroit Pistons, and, you know, Chauncey came over, Tyshawn Prince was there. What was the moment where you guys thought or you knew that you could win the NBA championship? When we got Rashid Wallace, with, with, without a doubt. I mean, uh... When I got there in Detroit with Chauncey, uh, I, w I just left Detroit. I was playing with uh, Tyrone Lue. He was my point guard there. And Ty Lue was like, hey, you know what? When you go to Detroit, you're going to love Chauncey because him and him, them two were best friends uh, in high school. And he was like, yo, he's, he's, he's going to fit. His game fits your game. And he's a great leader on the floor, too. So when I got there, me and Chauncey hit it all right. You know what I'm saying? Ben, ben was the anchor on the defense, and Tayshawn was coming up as a – as a, uh, a, a young kid finding his way in the league. But we knew we were missing that one piece, the guy that can demand a double team uh, in the post, especially when I'm coming off curls and Chauncey coming off pick and rolls. We needed a guy that, that you just couldn't blitz us no more. You couldn't trap us because the defender, the big, was so worried about Rashid either popping or, or, or cutting to the basket. So once, I, once we got him, I just felt as though there wasn't a team in basketball that could beat us. Man, I think Rashid's one of the most underrated players of all mm -hmm. time, especially because he did it all wearing Air Force Ones, which is crazy because I try to hoop in Air <laughs> Force too. Ones now. It just ain't working. <laughs> but Ben Wallace was also a huge part of that team, you know, yes. the defensive anchor that you spoke about. How much confidence did that give you guys, knowing that he was there to protect the paint, even if your man beat you off the dribble? Well, Ben was everything for us, right? He kind of, uh, I, I tell a funny story uh, when I first got there, and I was pressing up on a guy on the defensive end, and he blew by me. And he got when right before he got to the basket, I fouled him. I, I was always taught as a kid, if a guy blows by you, don't give an open layup or don't give a dunk, just foul him. And they either got to take the ball out or you force him to take two shots. And Ben came after I fouled him. He tapped me on the shoulder. He was like, hey, Rip, you know, mm-mm. Because, <laughs> you know, Ben don't say a lot, right? Yeah. He was like, mm -mm, yeah. don't foul. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, if you get beat, make sure you're forcing baseline. Because if you're forcing baseline, I'm your cleanup man. I got anything around, around the rim. And I was looking at him like, like, are you crazy? Like, really? He was like, yeah, so press up on your man, forcing baseline. If you get beat, that's, that's on me if he gets a dunk or layup. 
So right then and there, I was like, man, dude, I, I never had that in the league because, you know, a lot of guys in the NBA, they're worried about me. They're not worried about the team. They're worried about their brand. They're worried about... They don't want to get put on the poster. They don't want to get put on the poster, <laughs> exactly. So uh, when he said that to me, it was like, oh, okay, you know what? I got a, a guy behind me that's going to clean up all my mistakes. And it was, it was, I mean, I always say it was a blessing to get that opportunity to play with a guy like that. Now, that team was built on its defensive identity. How was that set in practice, in, you know, training camp? How was the tone set for you guys, and who was the leader? You know, Ben obviously being the mm -hmm. anchor, but what was it like playing with Chauncey, Tyshawn, all these other guys on the defensive side of the ball and really forced you guys to lock in on that end? Well, I would have to say Ben. Ben was, ben was the anchor. Like, ben, ben, was, ben set the foundation before me and Chauncey got there, right? So when we, when we got there, we knew what it was because of his work ethic, uh, his communication skills on the basketball court. We understood that, all right, you know what, to win a championship – you know, because when we come in, we, when we came there, just like any other young kid, it was like, hey, the team that scores the most points is going to win the game. So, you know, we were offensive-minded. So then we get to a, a, a team where, you know, Ben is the anchor. Ben already set the foundation. Uh, we had The motto in Detroit was going to work. Uh, you know, the city embodied guys coming to work with their hard hats, their Timberland boots. And you knew you had to work, work your tail off to uh, get wins on both sides of the ball. So I just feel as though, like, we kind of just like jumped on his back, really, and he kind of led from the defensive standpoint for us to get to where we need to get to to be looked at as the best defensive team in the, in the game. Now, I know you might disagree with this part because you guys thought you could beat anyone. Yeah, we could. But, but in sports, no, we could. In sports, the fans no, love but underdogs. No, we could, though. I know. Oh, okay. Uh, You're right. going to remind me. Okay. But in sports, we love an underdog story. Yeah. So when you guys got to the finals up against the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, almost everyone thought the Lakers were going to take that. Mm -hmm. You came in straight away and showed them that you guys weren't to be messed with. What was your mindset going into that series? Oh, uh, for me, God rest his soul, Kobe Bryant was, you know, a good friend of mine since high school. Uh, and I remember going in, in, in the locker room because he beat me uh, for, for, the, for the state championship. Uh, and we used to go back and forth talking trash, you know, uh, especially when I got to college and I won an NBA champ, I mean, an uh, NCAA championship. And I was like, oh, man, you can have that high school, you know, BS. Like, I'm, I'm an <laughs> NCAA champion. Like, nobody remembers who wins the state championship. And uh, he was like, man, you know, watch. I'm going to go out and win, you know, NBA championship. I'm going to win back-to-back. -back. And I'm like, yeah, right. That's just, you know, that's how confident Kobe was when, yeah. we, when we would talk. But, uh now I'm getting the opportunity to play against him at the highest level, right? I, like I said, I remember going to the locker room, going to the guys and being like, yo, man, I can't let this dude, dude in another locker room beat me again. Like, I, I would never be able to live with myself to hear him talk trash to me every time I see him about how he beat me in high school. <laughs> and he beat me at the highest level. But uh, we, we, you know, ben, ben, ben looked at me and said, Rip, I got Shaq. So, I mean, what, what you talking about? Like, like, That's half the problem solved. Yeah, yeah. yeah so... So it, it, it was a situation where we, we felt as though we were the better team, right? I, I, I mean, we didn't look at it and saying, I mean, now that I'm retired and I look back at it, I'm saying, man, dude, they had Carl Malone, Hall of Famer. I mean, Gary Payton, Hall of Famer. Shaq, Hall of Famer. Uh, Kobe, Hall of Famer. I mean, I just named, what, all four guys just was announced in the top 75 yeah. of all time, right? So... We didn't look at, at that. We looked at it as saying that, hey, we were locked in. Like, we had that me-against-the-world attitude. Like, we knew that, that if we come out and perform and play that, that we're capable of playing, 
it wasn't a team on the planet that could that could beat us. So we didn't get caught up in the hype. We feel as though that we should have swept them, right? I know a lot of people might feel like differently, but we feel as though that we were the better team. We were locked in and we were ready to compete and win the championship. Now, was it game two where Kobe hits the big shot at the end of the game? Mm-hmm. You guys are up three. Coach tells you to foul, <laughs> and you say, no, we're going to play defense. I want to know what was going through your mind when you got switched on to Kobe know, right? and he takes that shot. What was that little five seconds in your mind? What was going through your head just there trying to guard that possession? Well, one, I mean, I didn't expect to be on Kobe at the end of the game. I thought it was Tayshaun. Tayshaun was a better <laughs> defender than me. So he was long. He was lanky. He can really uh, contest his shot. But I, I happened to get switched on, man. And I just kept on saying to myself, Rip, you know, you can't let this dude hit that. Like, please do not let, let out of all people, him hit that shot on me. So I try to press up on him because I said a two wouldn't hurt us. You know, if he, if he, if he blows by me and gets an easy layup, we're still at one. But, but Kobe's so shifty, man. He's so shifty. He can get his shot off on, on anybody. And it showed over the years, uh, regardless who guard him, he's probably, in my opinion, during the time I played, the most unguardable guy that I probably played against. So I was just like, man, you know, just try to get up in him, try to contest the shock and pray and hope and pray that he misses it. But it didn't, didn't, didn't work that way. He, hey, it's Kobe, man. Yeah, it's Kobe. <laughs> he ended up knocking down that shot. So I was disappointed in myself, you know, but I knew my guys had my back. Nobody got on me. Nobody was like, yo, Rip, you should have fouled or you should have forced him to, to, to the basket because in our minds we felt, though, that we still could win the series. And you did. You handled business and rightly so. And then... That Detroit Pistons team was so iconic for the Eastern Conference coming through the 2000s. But I think as you guys progressed and got a little bit older, we saw younger players coming in. And you guys got a first-hand look at the young LeBron James coming in on Cleveland. What was it like going up against the young LeBron? Oh, man. Uh, it was fun because we got to beat up on him a little bit. <laughs> right? <laughs> now, I mean, now he's beating up on everybody. He's kicking everybody, you know, you know whatever. But uh, it, it was fun. Uh, but... You know, we didn't look at LeBron how people we didn't look at LeBron how people look at LeBron now, right? People look at LeBron now as Michael Jordan. We looked at LeBron as just a young kid trying to make his name in the league. But we did say numerous times in the locker room like, "Hey, once he figured this out, you know, once he figures out that he's 68 to what 85 can get to the basket, score on anybody, we're, we're, we and, and the rest of the lead is in trouble. And it showed when he scored that 25 straight points. That was the moment <laughs> he figured it out. And I remember looking at Tayshaun, I was like, oh, man, we're in trouble because it's going to be hard to kind of, you know, to, to defend him now knowing that he has success against us uh, on the offensive end. Which player right now do you look at and see in that same kind of likes? There's a lot of debate over who's going to be the new face of the league once LeBron retires. Which guy do you see as up next? Well, it's hard because, uh, you know, there's still a lot of great talent in the league. I mean, when you look at the top two, top three players in the league, I mean, it's hard to look over Kevin Durant. Like, Kevin Durant is, what, 30, 31? Like, so, I mean, this, this guy right here is, is a unicorn, man. Mm-hmm. Like, what he's able to do on the offense end and how he's able to get a shot and, and the ways he's able to score, I mean, it's, it's sick. Like, like, you know, like, now it's cool to be a seven-footer, right? Like, when, when you was young, it was, for me, when I was young, it was like, oh, I, just, I want to be 6'6", six, because six, that was Michael Jordan's height. That was the perfect height. 
Now it's cool to be like 6'11", because now you can be a, a KD, a, a Dirk Nowitzki. You can be dumb type guy. So if I had to say the face, I, I mean, I, I, KD, I mean, like, you know, he, he's the guy. Like, he's not ready to put one of these other young guys above him. So I would say him. You know, just going back a little bit, you had the chance to play with Derrick Rose when you were over in Chicago. Mm -hmm. How great was it playing with, you know, Derrick Rose when he was in his prime up until that injury happened? You know what? It was fun, man. That's why I came to Chicago. That's why I took a buyout in Detroit to get an opportunity to win another championship. And Derrick Rose was the guy I wanted to play, play with. Uh, I mean, dude was ridiculous. Uh, uh, I tell people, man, like he was probably the most talented player that, that I played with. And, you know, I'm not saying, okay, you know what, I play with Michael Jordan at the tail end. I play with Allen Iverson at the tail end. I play with a lot of great players. But in their prime, Derrick Rose was magical. <laughs> I mean, I used to see this kid every, every day in practice, seeing the way that he attacked the basket, the way, you know, he was able to set guys up. His explosion was, 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 was second to none. He was quick and fast, right? Like he had a, one of the best second jumps. You know, like I always say, Sean Marion had a great second jump. Derrick Rose had that same second jump at like 6'2". So, uh, I mean, it's just sad that he got hurt. I mean, because we'll be, if, if he didn't get hurt, it would be no question that we'll be talking about him being the best point guard in the league right now. Most definitely. Now, you talked about D. Rose being your best teammate that you played with. Who was the hardest defender you ever had to go up against? Hardest defender that... I had to go up against, I mean, if I had to pick one guy, I would probably have to say Bruce Bowen. Like, I hated him. <laughs> no, literally, I like, I literally hated there, a, Bruce Bowen. A lot Bowen. of players have said the same no, thing. I did. I, 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 great, great dude, great oh, individual. Oh, for sure, yeah. But I didn't find that out till like, after I retired because I didn't want to be the dude's friend or anything. Yeah. But, I mean, this dude did everything right for, for his team. And the, one, and the reason what made him so great is that's all he had to do for them, right? He understood who he was, right? He, you know, he played with other great players, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker. He would do everything. I mean, he would hit you on the wrist. He would trip you. He would knee you in the thigh. He would do all the little, <laughs> I don't know if you want to call them dirty stuff to get into your head, but that stuff was effective, and he wouldn't talk trash. He would just do, like, he would bump you off the curl. He would, he would grab you. He would hold you. So he was a guy I literally hated, uh, probably one of the only guys that would kind of get in my head a little bit, trying to, you know, figure out where he was going to hit me. And sometimes he wouldn't hit me. <laughs> and I'd be so wide open, I'm expecting to hit. And, you know, I, I'll miss the shot. But I would have to say Bruce Bowen. Man, I, I know it's not all one-sided, though, because I heard... You used to keep your nails long, yeah. so you could grab into his absolutely. arm as you're coming off picks and all these other things. So it's a different time back then. No, absolutely. But <laughs> playing against that San Antonio team, you know, it's yeah. a tough matchup. What was it like playing against, you know, almost like a replica of yourselves in terms of a five-man unit that's really well coached and all play with such togetherness? It was fun, man, because uh, you know you were you were playing against a team that you were kind of looking in the mirror and, and watching yourself play. Uh, it was a fun matchup. We knew it was going to be a dogfight each and every night. They had great players at every position. Uh, again, they played selfless. Had a great coach in, in Greg Popovich, uh, one of the all-time great coaches. Uh, it, it was it was a fun, it was a dogfight. I I don't know how many people will want to watch that in today's game because you know everybody wants to see teams score 130, 140 points. 
but that was old school physical, you know, at the park, you know, uh, you know, unlimited fouls, like nobody fouls out. You know, the games was going to be 30 to 32 at halftime. Uh, but it was it was it was a physical era, but it was a fun era. And it was a, a, a great team to play to play and compete against. Man, it's one of the best teams of all time. And your Detroit Pistons are right up there, one of the best teams of all time. Before we go, I need to get your prediction for who's going to win the finals MVP and lift the NBA trophy this the, season. The finals MVP. Oh, man. Uh, oof. It's tough because I had Brooklyn until the news today, <laughs> and I had and, and, and if if it was before today, I would say Kevin Durant, MVP of the NBA Finals, Brooklyn uh, wins it all. Now, oh man, I would have to say that's that's tough. I, I don't think Philly. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the safe answer, Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis wins back-to-back MVPs uh, 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 of the NBA, NBA Finals. Okay, man. Only time will tell. Hopefully yes. we'll catch up with you again at the NBA Finals. For all you guys at home, make sure you tune in to Sky Sports for coverage of the NBA Finals. I promised you guys some bonus content for sticking around at the end. So here's Rip Hamilton's all-time starting five. Let me know on social media. Hit me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok comment section, whatever you guys want to tell me your thoughts about this and the five that you'd put together to take on Rip Squad. And you know, if you enjoyed this show, make sure you share it with a friend, share it on your IG story, share it on your Twitter timeline, but most importantly, get buckets. So Rip, you know, we celebrated the NBA 75 this season, some of the best players of all time, but I need to know from you, who is your all-time starting five? And the most important part is, are you including yourself in the all-time starting five. Now, I'm going to take myself out the all-time starting five because it will be... We'll, we'll put you as the sixth man. Yes, yes, because if it was up to me, I would put my whole Detroit team, you know, <laughs> but I'm biased, right? But uh, that's a tough question, man. But for me, I would have to go with Magic Johnson at my point guard position. Uh, I would have to put MJ at my two. I would have to put Kobe at my three. I'm going with uh, LeBron James at the four. Do I have to pick a five or? It's your team. You can go small ball. You can do whatever you like with it. Yeah. For me at the five, man, I'm going with Shaq. I'm going with with Diesel because, you know, people talk about all the other great centers, but I don't think none of them dudes can guard Shaq. I just don't believe, like, Shaq was – Probably the most dominant player that 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 I, I I competed against. So if I had to pick a five, that that would be my five. Man, that's that's a pretty solid starting five. You know, you can't find many holes in that group. But yeah, you know, we're gonna have to put it to the test one day. Maybe we'll jump on some two K or something. I'll yeah. put my starting five. Okay, we'll put it up against your guys, and we'll have to see how it comes up. Let's do it. But listen, Rip, we appreciate your time, man. Appreciate having you down here in London. It's great to be here at the NBA store as well. Appreciate. It. We'll catch up yes, with you sir. soon, man. No, probably gonna leave you hanging this hey. time. Yes, sir. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. <laughs>